Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. What's a good-looking crowd tonight in spite of my warning last week? How about that? You know, we started two weeks talking about, about uh, renewing the mind. And then I went, you know what? We talked about the mind. We ought to talk about the flesh a little bit. So we talked about the flesh a little bit last Wednesday night. And I told you, we're going to talk about the flesh some more tonight. So before church started, Leslie Smith said, I'm looking forward to it. I got my steel-toed shoes on. I said, well, from the look of my notes, it's not going to be all that bad. I said, but then you never know about those rabbit trails. You don't, you'll never know when those rabbit trails are going to lead you. So, so we'll just kind of go with the flow, folks. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we don't have time. I've got a lot of stuff I want to cover tonight, so I really won't do much in the way of, of going back and reviewing anything. But, you know, let me just say this. You are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. This, this is Faith Island 101. So, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, that's your mind, your intellect, your emotions, your will, and then you live in a physical body. Listen, man, being a three-part being, sin has affected all three parts. All three parts, and there's, there's, a, there's a work that has to be done in all three parts. Now, you, we all know First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that I'm a new creature. Let's just go back and look at it. It never hurts to look at this because you know what? You need to remember it. You need to know exactly where it's at. You need to be able to refer, it to, refer to it at any, at any moment in life when the enemy comes at you with anything that doesn't line up, that tells you that you're something that God says you're not. You have to go back to this verse. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. That really should be saying, your Bible may say creature, but it's creation. You are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Williams' translation says he is the work of a new creation. Uh, one other, an NIV translation says the old has gone, the new has come. Um, he is in a new world. He's a new person altogether. Those are the versions that you can find in other translations. You are a brand new creature. But what got, got made new was the man on the inside. What that left us with was two parts, the soul part and the flesh part. Now, we, we ta- I've already talked about the fact that, that renewing the mind is something we have to do. The Bible tells us to renew your mind because otherwise you're going to be conformed to this world. So we're not going to go into a lot of that again tonight. So much can be said about renewing the mind. That was just one service, you know, and, and if you didn't hear it, you need to go back and get it. But you, ha- you have to live in a place where your mind is getting renewed to what the Word says about you. Because seriously, you got three parts here. You don't want two parts ganging up against one. And you don't want the wrong two parts ganging up. Now, we're going to get the we're going to get this new creation inside, the man here. And the mind, when it gets renewed, it teams up against the flesh. But here's the deal. 
We have a responsibility to renew our minds, but we have a mandate to crucify our flesh. It absolutely has to be done. If you're going to live the kind of life God intends for you to live, you will have to crucify the flesh. And renewing the mind and crucifying the flesh are daily things that have to be done. You don't do it just one time. You don't do it just one week. You don't do it just one month. You don't do it just one year. You do it daily. There is a constant assault against your mind and against your flesh. No matter how good a job you have done with it, you have to keep doing that job on a daily basis. Because both of them are subject to just revert to the old man if you don't continually put the right things in your mind and put your flesh under. Continually. We got a new spirit man on the inside that he has to work with a mind totally programmed by the world and a body totally controlled by the flesh. I love the fact we got a couple of new babies around here. But when you look at that, that baby's so sweet, that baby's so innocent, but that baby is one big flesh ball. They want what they want, and they want it now. And most Christians are still that way themselves. They want what they want, and they want it now. Oh, big amens there. <laughs> big amens. But until we learn to put the flesh man where the flesh man belongs, that's how we'll live. It's just like that baby. That baby is innocent as far as his nature because he hasn't been awakened to sin. But the sin nature, he was born with it in his flesh. And once you get born again, now we have to deal with that problem. And it is a problem. You know, and people are going to say, well, you know, we're talking about people who have, who have things going on in their lives that really aren't right. Well, they just have issues. No, they don't have issues. They have sin. They don't have a problem. They have a sin. We need to call it what it is. There's, there's sin in my flesh, and my flesh is just exposing the sin that's already there. My flesh just is my flesh. It just wants to do what it wants to do. I said this last week. It's all about me. My, my flesh is all about me. What, what I want, what I need, what I, I, what I have to have, it's, all, it's a selfish thing. And that's the thing about the flesh is it's totally selfish. It has no really, really regard for anybody or anything else except what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. And so it really comes down to a place where we, we find that if we give in, to more, the more we give in to the, our flesh without using the restraint of the renewed mind, only lets the flesh have more control. And the more it controls us, tells us that the enemy is winning. He's winning. See, at this point, he really doesn't care so much that you're going to heaven. He does care about what you do while you're here. And if he can get a hold of your flesh and your mind, he can, he can I mean, he's winning. Because here is where we display the goodness of God to other people so that they want to join us as part of the family of God. It doesn't matter to him, like I said, that you're going to heaven. He can he care less. He just doesn't want you to include anybody else. He doesn't want you to bring anybody else into that. 
He doesn't want you to take your rightful place of authority and put him in his place, which his place is defeated. He has been dethroned. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, made his show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the enemy, and he's got them. He has taken authority from him and given it to you and me. And he doesn't want us to take the authority that we've been given by Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, and to use it on this earth. Because this is his little playpen. And he don't like you getting in his playpen with him and making him and kicking him out. And that's exactly what we're here to do. And so, you ha- like I said, you have a right to all the blessings of God, all the work that Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. You have a right to all that he did. It belongs to you, lock, stock, and barrel. There is no part of what he did that doesn't belong to you, that you can't operate in. But we have to renew the mind and we have to crucify the flesh. Now, we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures. And and I'm going to start with Ephesians 4. Hallelujah. I brought my 26 translations. I brought my Amplified because it was just too much to type into this, this paperwork here. Let's go to Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19. It says, This I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity. You can talk, you can say that futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, another translation will say hardness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over Unto lasciviousness. Did we say what that was last late week? Does anybody remember? That means unrestrained. Unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. I found this. Hallelujah. That, that phrase toward the end, given themselves really could be translated and has been in many translations as abandoned themselves. They've abandoned themselves. You know, in fact, um, let's see. I believe this is the amplified version. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, dead to shame, having the conscience seared until it has no more voice to the mind or body, have given themselves, that is abandoned themselves, over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Philip's translation says this. He says, they've stifled their consciences and then surrendered themselves to sensuality. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it says, I keep under, I discipline, I give a black eye to my body and bring it into subjection, that is, make my body a slave, lest by any means when I have preached to others, 
I myself should be a castaway and become disqualified. That's what happens when you ignore the renewing of the mind and don't discipline the flesh. You disqualify yourself. I I found this quote. I don't even know where I got it from. It says, it doesn't matter if you can quote the Bible if you live like you've never opened it. That's what people will do if they don't bring this flesh, this body, into subjection. Give it a black eye. Sometimes you've got to beat yourself up, you know, and say, you are not doing that. You are not doing that. Do you hear me? Get up. No, go right now. My flesh screams at me just as loudly as yours does on sometimes when it's time to get ready to go to church. My flesh screams, I don't want to go. My flesh will scream, I don't feel like going. My flesh will scream, I don't want to talk to that person. I know they're going to be there. I don't want to see them. My flesh will say, I don't want to get in that pulpit. I, my flesh will say, I don't want to go and have to smile at everybody. I don't feel like smiling. I don't feel like being nice. I'm grumpy. I'm irritable. I'm in a bad mood. And I don't even want to talk to any of these people. Now, you be honest with me. Some of you think the same things. But see, those are the times we have to bring our body into subjection and tell it what it's going to do. What does a subject do? They are at the disposal and at the command of the one who is over them. And that is what we do when we bring our body into subjection. There is something our spirit man and our renewed mind has to bring our bodies into subjection. We have to command that body, command that flesh, put it under subjection. You are going to be ruled over, and right now this is what you will do. We have to do that. That flesh is is a strong, strong part. But you know what? With a spirit man who's been recreated and a renewed mind, he is no match. No, no, matter, no matter how strong he is, when we, when we are aware of who we are and what we have available to us in the Word and we renew our minds to that, to that we can take the flesh man no matter what, how he's screaming, what he's saying, no matter what he's hollering at us, no matter what he's justifying, and we can say, you get your little self back where you belong, under. Under is where you belong. Amen. Um, Romans 6, let's go there. Hallelujah. Romans 6. Hallelujah. Are you blessed already? Amen. Well, if you're not, just say amen. I won't know the difference. (laughs) Romans 6, starting in verse 6. Sometimes, you know, we just have to pick a place and go. It says, knowing this. See, this is it. You have to know this. That our old man is crucified with him. That's the old sin man on the inside. The old spirit man. He's, he's been recreated. Brand new creation. The old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed or done away with. Dethroned. That henceforth we should not serve sin. That word destroyed could also mean rendered inoperative or powerless. Dethroned means no longer has authority to govern you. 
The powers that are in this world want to govern you. And they want to govern you through your flesh. You have to dethrone them so they have no more. He's been dethroned and he has no more authority. But if you don't know that, you will continue to live under his thumb. You will continue to live under the thumb of your flesh. Don't you? Th- you just stop reading the word for about six weeks. You come back and you tell me how good your flesh is doing. It doesn't take long, folks. It doesn't take that long at all. It says that he is dead. He that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died under sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield Ye, your members. See, sometimes we, we actively participate. Our flesh will actively participate in sin. And sometimes we just kind of yield. We don't fight against it. You know, it's not, you can't just say, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, you know, I, I, no, I won't do that. But if you don't just actively take a part in fighting those flesh things off, you will fall into them. On your own, you're just not that strong. You have, you ha- and, and you can't take an attitude of, well, that's just not a big deal. Everything that, that exalts itself against the word of God should be looked at as danger. You know, lost in space. Danger, danger, Will Robinson, danger, danger. (laughs) Everything that's not of the Spirit needs to be looked at as something that is so dangerous as to not be tolerated. If a rattlesnake got into your living room, you can't afford to say, well, he's over there in the corner. He's not, he's not all that bad. That's what sin is. It's a rattlesnake in your life. And just because he looks like he's asleep, just because he looks like he's not coming toward you, does not mean there's not danger in the room. Every little thing that does not line up with the word of God, when it's in our flesh, has to be dealt with. Because what looks like a little danger can suddenly strike. And yet, people play around with things all the time. The, the people, you know, when people, you know, I don't, maybe it's not as prevalent today as it once was, but if, if people ever heard that you went to a church, this is when I was growing up, ever went, you went to a church, ever heard that you went to a church that spoke in tongues, you know, and all that, they would go, oh, it's a snake handling church. No, the only snakes we handle is the ones that we throw off into the fire. You know, but I'm not stupid. There are people who are stupid enough to play with that. That's ridiculous. 
and many of them get bitten. Listen, you can't afford to play with your flesh. You cannot afford because you, you might get by with it today. And if you get by with it today, you're going to think you can get by with it on an ongoing basis. You can't. One day, it will bite you. And depending on what it is, could cost you dearly. Let me tell you, everything, let me, how did I write this down a while ago? Uh, what does giving into your flesh, flesh cost you? Sometimes we need to stop and just take a look. What does giving into my flesh cost me? Is it a price I'm willing to pay? Is it a price you're willing to pay? There are some things that just only affect us. If you don't take care of your body physically, you can have physical problems in your body that could have been avoided. That's a high cost. And yet we kind of look at it and say, no, you know, I know I need to, but no, 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 no. You know, I, I've, I've, I've tried to, to, you know, just persuade myself of that for a long time. Oh, it's not a big deal. You know, I'm still young. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, those things that I didn't do in earlier years catch up with you when you don't take care of a body. Just take care of this flesh. Why, didn't, why did I not take care of it? Because my flesh wanted something else. It wanted, instead of exercise, it just wanted to sit down, prop my feet up, and eat potato chips. My flesh wanted, and so I didn't take my flesh and make it do what it needed to do because I didn't realize that one day when, when I was older, I'm not saying I'm old, one day when I was older, you know, these effects would all come together in a cumulative fashion, and now I'm looking at a condition in my body that could have been prevented. See, that's what the devil wants you to think, that nothing is all that big a deal. But he's not telling you about the cumulative effects of these little things that go on in your life that should be dealt with and that are not. There are cumulative effects Somebody's going to think, well, sin, I mean, you're just talking about, oh, you know, adultery and fornication and, you know, stealing and murder and big things. No, I'm talking about the little things. Add it up. Add it up. They will cost you a huge price. And that huge price then leads to you not fulfilling the plan of God for your life. Sometimes it even leads to the fact that you do not Stay on this earth long enough to accomplish what God wanted you to accomplish. And in and of itself, it doesn't seem like it's all that big a deal. But people are watching you. People are watching you. And it affects what other people think about, not just you, but about what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a believer. I said last week, there is absolutely no reason for any believer to indulge in alcohol of any kind. Now, it's a subject we could spend a lot of time. I'm not going to. But I'm telling you what, there are people who watch you. 
How many people have, have, have I seen over the years, you know, or heard of or suspicioned that when they're, when they're away from home and away from people and away from this or that or the other, indulge in things they got no business indulging in because they don't think anybody's around that'll they'll see them. Listen, we were, we were in Jamaica one time, you know, and, and thank God, you know, I mean, thank, in, in Jamaica, you, there's a lot of things you can do in Jamaica. I mean, there's, there's you know, bathing suit optional beaches. There's all kinds of, you know, you smell things in the air that other people want to offer you. You know, there's alcohol. There's all kinds of things. You never, you never, I'm thinking, we're in Jamaica. You know, it just occurred to me, oh, you know, so this is kind of like, you know, you're in Jamaica. Nobody knows you. You can kind of, you know, well, well, whatever. And I'm going, you know, I was conscious of just how I dressed in Jamaica. And lo and behold, one day we ran to somebody we knew. It matters how you dress, ladies, no matter where you are. Not just in church. Oh, here's my rabbit trails. It matters. It matters. You shouldn't be going out dressing sexy. The only person you'd be dressing sexy for is your spouse. That's the only person you'd be dressing sexy for. And that probably in the privacy of your home. Don't put on display what God wanted you to save for your spouse. Yeah, that's a big rabbit trail. <laughs> Ladies, blouses down to here? No, no, no. Somebody comes up beside you or when you're sitting down in church and they can see all the way down to your navel? No. Well, that got a big amen. Mm-hmm. I remember the days when pants were the hip hugger things. And I remember coming up behind some young ladies and they were bending forward and I could see right down the back of their pants. That is not acceptable. That's not, you got a flesh issue, girl. And you're causing a flesh issue in the guys. And that's not acceptable to God to cause somebody else to have a place where they're going to stumble. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. That's why, you know, there's not certain kinds of dress on the platform. Because I'll be really blunt with you tonight. You mind? I'm going to do it anyway. The size of the height of our platform, men are standing up in the audience, and you got on something that's skin tight. What are they looking at? Where's their line of sight? That's causing a man to stumble, hon. No. No. If you just, well, I got to dress like this, you got a flesh problem. And you need to deal with it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Pastor Angela loves you. Yeah, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you. The reason correction comes from the word of God is to help you, to assist you, to aid you. It's to cause you to be able to grow. And if you don't want to grow, then you don't have to listen. Thing is, some people will hear, but they won't listen. They'll hear what you say, but they're not listening to what you say. They're going to discount it. They're going to say, just just so much of her opinion. Well, no, you, go, you, you find in the word of God where, where it's just my opinion. Isn't a woman supposed to dress modestly? Yes, she is. 
There's a lot of things you can say about those kind of things. Go with me to over here in Romans 6. Let's go to Romans 8. Hallelujah. I'm going to get my 26 translations out. Hallelujah. Even marked it. Hallelujah. And we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 13. We'll come back then. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. You want to stay out of condemnation? Stay out of the flesh. But walk after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, signed the death warrant of sin, one translation says, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind, do pay attention to the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Just playing around with your flesh, just is, you're playing around the arena of death, folks. That's what you're doing. Because that's where death reigns, is in the flesh. Because the carnal mind is, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, that is put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now let me go back to my 26 translations here. Romans 8. Here, okay, let's go. For there is now therefore no condemnation which of Christ Jesus who walked after the flesh. Um, let's go down to, let's see, in verse 3. Verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. I've got highlighted. He has signed the death warrant of sin in our nature. You know, a governor can sign a death warrant, but somebody has to carry that death sentence out. Jesus signed the death warrant of your flesh nature, but you have to carry out the act of putting it to death. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. New English Bible says whose conduct no longer under the control of our nature is directed by the spirit. 
Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Weymouth translation says it like this. If men comply with their lower nature, their thoughts are shaped by their lower nature. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Beck's translation says of that phrase, he says, this is so because the fleshly mind hates God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Goodspeed says, for it refuses to obey God's law. Indeed, it cannot obey it. It goes on in verse 8. So then they are there in the flesh, those who are controlled by the flesh. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Uh, the, uh, one translation says, you, however, are not controlled by the flesh, but by the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Williams' translation says, if the spirit of God has his home within you. Now, if a man not have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit of, is life because of righteousness. Williams' translation again says, your spirits are now enjoying life because of the right standing with God. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, has taken possession of you, Goodspeed says, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Rotherham says, shall make alive even your death-doomed bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live after the flesh. 20th century said, So then, brothers, we owe nothing to our earthly nature that we should live in obedience to it. Moffat says, Well then, my brothers, we owe a duty, but it is not to the flesh. The New English Bible says, It follows, my friends, that our lower nature has no claim upon us. We are not obliged to live on that level. You have been given the tools to not live in that place. You've given the ability to move up to a higher life. It says if you live after the flesh, if you live in obedience to your earthly nature, that's 20th century, or if you go on living according to the flesh, that's another translation, you shall die. Conaberry says you are doomed to die. And the Moffat says you are on the road to death. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, and the 20th century says, if you by the power of the Spirit put an end to the evil habits of the body, you shall live. There's a lot to be said about the flesh and what you need to do about it in these verses. Hallelujah. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 14. Colossians 3. Hallelujah. Here we go. Verse 5 says, Mortify, remember that is put to death, therefore your members which is upon, are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, which is desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked. 
sometime when you lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your, out of your mouth. It's not okay to have the same kind of mouth this earth has. This world has. It's not okay to say a few cuss words every now and then. It's not okay. Many years ago, I was speaking to some women. We were in the old church and was down in the children's department on the first floor of that, of that uh, educational building. And somebody came to me and, and uh, said something. They were, had come down. I don't even think they had children at the time. They were down there for something. I don't know what. And they said something about working in this department. Well, I really, you know, I don't have any business, you know, coming down and teaching any of these kids because I can't get my own mm, together. And I sweat. What did you just say? Well, I mean, I just said, yeah, I can't get my own together. And I'm going, why? And I looked at him and said, why would you use that word? Well, well, what's wrong with it? I mean, I work around people who say that all the time. That doesn't mean you should be saying it. I'm thinking, here we have a problem with an unrenewed mind and a flesh issue all at the same time. Yes, we do. It is not okay for you to go around sounding like the rest of the world. And I know the kids will come home from school. They'll, oh, well, everybody, everybody at school says that. Well, you're not going to. Just because everybody does anything, if that's not what the Word of God teaches, you're not going to. It is not okay. You may be surrounded by people with a filthy mouth, but you, as a child of God, have no business participating in it on any level. On any level. Let's go on. Where, where, where was I? Colossians 5, we were. Ah, number 9, verse 9. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a complaint or a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, do also to them. And above all these, put on love which is charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. He's got a lot to say here about, about and putting off some things, putting on some things, which means the responsibility is totally up to us to take care of these issues. Some things you put off and the things of God you put on. Um, Galatians, and this is going to be good. Galatians 5. Galatians. Anybody besides me ever have to go back to that, sometimes that old, what is it, that, is that an acronym or what is it? Where you, words stands for something. Girls eat popcorn. Gentiles eat pork chops. You know, that kind of stuff to, to kind of keep it all like Gentile. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> So anyway, we're, going, we're here in Galatians chapter 5. Nobody liked my joke. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Hallelujah. And I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. Go, uh, here we go. Marked that one as well. Starting in verse 16. Uh, but I say, walk 
and live habitually. Isn't that a great word? Habitually. It has to be a lifestyle. That's what habitually means. In the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of the human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires, desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. If you are guided by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the doings and practices of the flesh are clear and obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, factions, sex with peculiar opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. And that really is the recreated human spirit, the fruit of the recreated human spirit are these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, meekness, humility, gentleness, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. You know, too often we have the idea like the old Flip Wilson show that we suddenly, we just, we can't help it. We can't do anything about some of these issues in our life. You can. You can do anything. You can control. You, you know, there are times people say, you know, they've got anger issues. Well, I've just got a lot of Irish in me with a smile as though that's a compliment. That's not a compliment. No, you've got a lot of the devil in you. Not Irish, it's the devil. You've got flesh. That, you're letting the devil, you know, just amp up your flesh. You can control it if you want to. You know how I know you can control it? Because when you get around certain people, you can control it. You let your pastor come over, and you're not going to show your temper. So if you can control it in front of any person living, you can control it all the time. You've just chosen not to. Every one of these, these, these flesh issues that we've read in several different places can be controlled. You cannot say they cannot be controlled. They can be. Because any one of if I named any one of them and you had an issue that you could also tell me a time when you found yourself able to control them. See, the problem is, is though we can control them ever so often, we don't make a practice of it. And so that's why we have this problem all the time controlling it. You have to practice the control. 
You have to practice controlling your flesh in all of those in all these areas. If you can restrain yourself in front of any any person alive, you can do it all the time. Your attitude toward other people, the enemy will convince you that attitude is just a small and insignificant thing. After all, nobody knows about it but me. Oh, yeah, you and God. Hello, he knows. And there are things you have to deal with when it comes to attitude. You know, somebody comes along and says something to you, or maybe you've already got a problem with somebody, and somebody says something to you about that person. Now you're going to join forces, and you're going to talk about them, how they, they've done this to both of you. Oh, and it's amazing how offended people attract offended people. And then suddenly we got this group think going on. Now, you've also gotten into the fact that you haven't restrained your thoughts about them. You haven't restrained your flesh. Now you've let your tongue get involved. And my goodness, we can talk a lot about the tongue. You know, about what James said about the tongue being a little member and how much power it has. Proverbs 18.20 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of, of it. One translation says they will have to eat what they say. Taylor translation says it like this. Those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. Hmm. So how do we control the flesh? I'm going to go over, but I'm telling you, you're going to stay here just long enough for me to do that. That's controlling your flesh, isn't it? Make a quality decision, an act of your will. You can do it. Don't let the enemy try to convince you that you can't. You can. Because Philippians 2.13 says, it is God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Brother Hagin tells a story about a woman who came to says, Brother Hagin, I hate my mother-in-law. And he goes, no, you don't. You, you have a brand new cre- uh, spirit on the inside of you. And that spirit, that new creation, that new man on the inside of you is filled with the love and the life of God. You don't hate your mother-in-law. Well, what do I do? Every time you think about your mother-in-law, you say, I love my mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. And he came back to her a few weeks later, and she said, you know what, Brother Hagin? I love my mother-in-law. I do. You need to access what's on the inside of you to control this flesh. That's how you do that. And you have to say it over and over again. That's fine. Renew your mind on that area, and then act on what you know. And for her, it was speaking It was speaking. She had to hear herself say, I love my mother-in-law until what was on the inside of her took precedence over what her flesh was saying. Brother uh, Keith Moore talked about a man who came to him who had a problem with cigarettes. And he said, don't try to stop smoking. He said, every time you pick up a cigarette, you say, I am delivered from cigarettes. I am delivered from cigarettes. And after a couple weeks, the man came back and said, you know, Brother, Brother Keith, he said, I wasn't having, it didn't look like I was having very good success, but every time I picked up one, I, said, I did exactly what you said. I've been delivered from cigarettes. I've been delivered from cigarettes. He said, you know, the other day, I picked one up and I looked at it. I didn't even lie. I went, I've been delivered from cigarettes. He said, I put it down. I haven't had one trouble with that since then. We just need to do what we know to do. Because, because if you don't, your flesh will take control. Listen, there's a lot of things I could say, and I don't really think I have enough to go with another week on this, so I'm just going to run through this real fast. Um, what do you need to do to get control of your flesh? Well, pick an area. 
You know, it may not be such a bad thing that you're talking about, but if there's any, anything in your life that's got a hold on you, that's got a, a, a place in your, in your life that is more than it should be, why don't you maybe decide to fast it? Maybe coffee, you know, I said coffee last week, and everybody went, Ooh. I'm telling you what, if you, if you did that, you seriously, it's got a hold on you. Fasting is to help discipline the flesh. It's, it's, it's to help us control the flesh. Fast your social media for a week. Fast your coffee for a couple of days. Fast your chocolate for a, a month. Fast, fast it until you, until you can control it instead of it controlling you. A pastor friend of ours told me recently about the fact that he and his church was on a 21-day fast. And I went, oh, yeah, what kind of a fast is that? He goes, we're going to fast complaining. <laughs> and I, I laughed at first, and I thought, that's a pretty biggie. He said, he said, the first week we came back, and I said, how's everybody doing? And he said, you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> if you got an attitude problem and you complain about things all the time, why don't you try a 48-hour fast of complaining. I wouldn't have started maybe with 21 days. I, you know, <laughs> give me two, folks. You know. <laughs> but fast it. Be conscious of any time your flesh wants to rise up and say, I want this, I want that, I want to say this, I want to say that. You stop it right there. You would be amazed what two days of that could do for you. You take, that's how you take control of your flesh. Hallelujah. Uh, and I'll just, I'll just end with this. Um, Disciplining the flesh will never happen if you don't renew your mind. Because it'll be hard for you to follow God's plan for your life completely or accurately with the flesh dominating your life. So if you haven't heard enough about the flesh already, I encourage you to go get your Bible out, go get your some study aids out, and you do a, you do a study, study on your own. You see how much the Word has to say about the flesh, what it can cost you when it's not dealt with, what it will benefit you when you do deal with it, how you can walk in the Spirit of, to, in to such a degree that you would be amazed at the difference once you put that kind of control in your life. You know, God's given us the way to regulate these aspects of our life, and we just need to use them. Don't say the devil made me do it. He didn't make you do anything. He gave you a choice. He gave you an option. And unfortunately, sometimes we take the wrong option. But we can, we can win. We can let the life of God not just be in us as a recreated spirit that's going to heaven, but as somebody usable, somebody vital, somebody important, somebody with great influence in this natural world, somebody the devil is afraid of. That's what you want to be, somebody he is deathly afraid of. And you do that when you know who you are, when you know all that God has for you, who you are, what you've been made, what belongs to you, where your authority lies, and then you take the flesh man and you dominate him and put him where he belongs so that as a three-part being, you are walking in the plan of God. Amen. Good night.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.